You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Joe Clark, good afternoon to you, and it's so great to be chatting again after a few weeks. Yes, two weeks of holidays, two weeks of holidays. What have you been up to, mate? Well, I have been down to the Gospel Coalition Australia Conference in Melbourne over <laughs> the last week. I had um, yeah, three days down there, and uh, that was absolutely wonderful. It was one of those conferences I didn't have to go to, but I chose to go to, yep. um, and uh, I was keen to hear from the teaching from Titus and visit Melbourne and meet Victorian Christians yeah. and find out what it's like for them, and yeah. uh, so... Wonderful conference. The thought, uh, the thing I thought I'd share with you was yes. something I had on did on Thursday, which was a bit of a free day for me because I got there early, and uh, that was to go to the State Library of Victoria Ooh. on Swanson Street, right in town, uh, near where the conference was, and uh, enjoy the uh, what's called the Latrobe Reading Room. Now, have you heard about anything? This you heard of anything like this at all? Uh, I mean, I've heard of reading rooms, but I can't picture the, the Latrobe reading room. Tell yeah. me more. So I had no idea it was here, but I did a Google search thing to do in Melbourne. And what it is, this library has been around for over 100 years. And the Latrobe reading room, uh, built in 1913, is this amazing room of, um, it's kind of about 34 metres tall, 34 metres wide, four storeys, with this Whoa. big dome over the top with natural light coming in oh, wow. and then down on ground level are all these um, desks um, wooden desks with wooden chairs and these little green lights that um, oh, like little, little green lamps. light shades yeah little bankers <laughs> lamps sitting over the desks and um, the desks themselves have this little lever system that you can sort of lever up a book support so uh, it can no sit there way. and it's quiet there's just the sound of you know a few footsteps or someone opening a book or the minor squeak of a chair and uh, I, I was just uh, I was just loving it uh, I went in there <laughs> and thought okay I don't need to think about what I'm doing for the next few hours I'm here uh, loving the atmosphere you know up on the walls there's books old books wow. um, so it felt um uh, it was brilliant for readers, um, yeah, <laughs> which I know yeah, many of our li listeners would be uh, yeah. in that category. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, yeah, I wish I could go back there all the time, but it'll probably be <laughs> a number of years before that happens. <laughs> yeah. Loving it. So did you, as you were reading, did you feel like you took in more because of the reading-y vibe? Yeah, oh, totally. It was like <laughs> the room was screaming out, you're doing a noble thing right now you know <laughs> you are this is a moment you're connecting with knowledge and they had like these quotes from authors in the past and you think it was like oh, it was very inspiring and motivating you yeah. you would just feel you would feel unclean say if you looked at your phone sitting <laughs> in that room <laughs> that does sound fun i um can imagine getting the wriggles in about 10 minutes so <laughs> Um, and, and wriggling around in my chair, but I would also enjoy that for probably yes. a shorter amount of time. I yes. love the idea of sitting somewhere and reading when other people are reading, like yeah. communal reading. Oh, what an idea. Yeah, I love yeah. it. 
Love no, it. That was really good. Mm. So that's a brief story from me, something I, I've enjoyed, I'll treasure. Yeah. Oh, How about you, Joe? Have you been to any reading rooms or have you oh, been doing other no things? No reading rooms, but I achieved something yesterday and the day before and the day before that was exciting, but actually turned out to be not as exciting as I thought it, as I thought it would be. <laughs> so, you good. know, when you watch, I don't know, any teen movie in the US, from the US, often someone climbs out onto a roof right? Like it seems that people are getting out on their roofs a lot. (laughs) And I had never been on the roof of a building before. And I thought that's, you know, that, that's not me. I'm not a daredevil. I don't like roller coasters. I don't like heights. Yeah. I will never be that person. The security screens had gotten taken off my uh, windows a few weeks ago. And suddenly the option was there to climb out onto the lower level of my roof, walk along the side of my house and to stand on my garage. Oh, and yeah, sure. Why the not? option was there. And the hot water system there, the solar hot water system for my pool was broken and needed to be taken down. And so in a moment of deep boldness that I considered to take for about three weeks before I actually did it, <laughs> I climbed out and walked along my roof and looked out to the north and then looked out to the south and felt very proud of myself. Oh, well done. Yeah. But here's the thing. It got really boring really fast because oh. ultimately there's nothing to do up there. Okay. So, <laughs> so it wasn't like an inspiring moment of finding yourself or anything like that. No. I mean, I got the hot water system off and as of yesterday afternoon and my the builder who's at my house, he said, oh, how'd you get that off? I said, me. He said, did you wear safety gear? I said, no. He said, okay. And I thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe I was unsafe. But it didn't feel unsafe. It was fine. No. But yeah. um, it, it, I think the main thing was... It was a moment where I realized that even if you get out on your roof, you're still just looking out. And I can look out really comfortably from inside my house. So yeah. I'm going to do well, that from now on. You can just take that off your, off your list. Yeah, you, I'm, a new, I'm a new person. I'm pretty much a daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all. That's all from me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have you been reading in the Bible, Richard? Well, I have been, uh, we've been preaching through Proverbs at church, and so I've been mm. reading Proverbs and found something really great in Proverbs 2, verse 2. Uh, I'll read 1, verse 5, and this is from the, the C- CSB, often what I read in my personal Bible reading. Um, so it goes like this, Proverbs 2, 1 to 5. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search it like, uh, for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. All right, so great uh, mm. passage there, call, son, uh, Solomon calling his son to, to, to wisdom. The thing that stood out for me, and you know, it's one of those moments where you've, you've read stuff, read before, stands out, is verse 2. And uh, what specifically what uh, the son is being told to do is, what to listen to and what to direct and so what Mm. he's supposed to listen to is wisdom and what he's supposed to do is what he's supposed to direct is his heart now that struck me as just being complete reversal of what our culture's wisdom would be now Mm. where what you listen to is your heart and what you direct is your circumstances to fit with what your heart is saying mm. uh, but this is like the opposite what do you listen to not your heart no you listen to wisdom and does your heart direct you no you direct your heart you direct yeah. your heart to understanding and so 
um, yeah, in our culture, when so often we're told to listen to our heart and follow our heart, this is a complete reversal. Wow. Direct your heart, listen to wisdom. And I was uh, uh, rebuked, challenged, yeah, reaffirmed the value of wisdom. Yeah, it's interesting. When Do you know when that change occurred of listening to your heart and following your own wisdom? Like it, what generations would identify with that? Because I, I listen to the idea of, I hear the idea of follow your heart and I don't, I actually can't see that as, as something I've ever loved, but maybe mm. I do it just subconsciously. Do you, yeah. do you know what I'm asking? Like where do we see this played out? Is it, most people would say, oh, the younger generation, but is it older generations as well, do you think? Yeah, I think col- clever people who know about culture and philosophy um, would maybe trace it back to the Enlightenment mm. and Descartes, finding mm. the real seat of reality, I think, therefore I am, so in the self, mm. and then yeah, that flowing on to roman- romantic yeah. philosophers and then moving from the into academic modern. colleges yeah. into... Um, mainstream into Disney in yeah. the in that you know seventies eighties and uh, yeah right uh, fully fully formed philosophy in yeah today mm, okay but I could be wrong about any of those points <laughs> well you're never going to hear it's wrong from me because I don't <laughs> know but when you read that passage how did it really apply for you was it a particular thing you were thinking about as a as a parent or yeah, no, I think um, uh, just my heart uh, often sort of drifts in directions of uh, leisure and pleasure and self-pity and uh, um, mm. comfort and stuff like that. Uh, and so uh, this was a bit of a, a rebuke, really, so mm. not to be governed by those feelings, mm. um, but, yeah, instead be more active, like Paul mm. Proverbs is saying, listen mm. close to the wisdom, pay attention to what I'm reading in the Bible there, mm. and um, question, doubt, challenge, direct, yep, mm. the sort of feelings and heart kind of stuff that's uh, coming my way. Mm. And I guess when we, we read that word wisdom, we're thinking God's wisdom. Mm. Um, do you think it's the whole counsel of God, like the all of the scriptures, or would you say when it's using that word wisdom there, it's more using the that the wisdom literature? Yeah, kind of oh, wisdom. I think both, yeah, yeah. in, in a media context. Yeah. Big on wisdom, read Proverbs regularly, which yeah. I, I try and yeah. do. But um, I've tried to more since you talked about that, and I have found it fruitful. Oh, so before church on Sunday, I was like, oh, I've got a bit of time. I might read a bit of Proverbs. It was good. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you for the encouragement. Uh, mm. Yes. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I feel continually foolish and, <laughs> and short of wisdom. <laughs> and so Proverbs is, is there like it, it's a gift. It's there anytime. So yeah, yeah certainly don't neglect it. Mm. But mm. Um, no, that's been my Bible reading lately. And Joe, have you been... Doing some uh, reading and learning yourself? I have. This is a book we've already discussed, you and I, but I've had some further thoughts on it that I thought mm. I could share. Mm. Uh, the book is a, a brand new book called Embracing Complementarianism. It's, uh, the, the, the byline is um, Turning Biblical Convictions into Positive Church Culture. It's written by a man called Graham Bainan and a woman called Jane Tua. Uh, Graham lives in the UK. Jane, of course, um, I love Jane. She's serving in at Moore College as mm. the director of the Priscilla and Aquila Centre. I saw, I'm, I said hello to Jane at the Gospel Coalition Did, Conference, <sighs> yes, and I made a point of saying thank you for writing a valuable yes. book in a tricky uh, in a tricky passage. And yeah. she was very humble, but I, I made sure yeah. you know, I gave oh, her that encouragement. You. That's great. Yeah, I, I love the book. I think it's good. Um, I think it's a great contribution to the discussion around men and women being equal 
but different in God's um, created mm. order and, and God's um, design for the church. And um, what I like about this book is that as I've read it more, it's made me really critique. I thought I had thought a lot of things through around complementarianism. Yeah. Um, and I had, but there are, there was more and yeah. more to be done in my thinking and and this book has helped me. So I'd, re- I'd strongly recommend it for anyone, yeah. uh, but particularly um, church leaders as they think about, well, how do we shape a, a culture around our church of healthily having men and women working together and serving Jesus together in a biblical way? Yeah. Anyway, there's this anecdote in the book that I wanted to read and reflect upon. Uh, the context of the anecdote is talking around what is God's design for the church. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's about the church doing ministry together, that the church is united, that the church is a family, like all these amazing concepts that are scriptural. The church is always growing and that mm-hmm. means men and women together all the time. Um, and then there's this anecdote and I'll just read it. I, Graham, once attended a day conference on evangelism, which was aimed at pastors and evangelists. I took along a female staff member from my church as she was a gifted evangelist. She was the only woman at the conference and that was revealing in itself. But after the, during the afternoon tea break, someone asked if she'd help in the kitchen with serving refreshments and clearing away. Why ask her? Presumably because they instinctively felt that the conference was less for her than for the men or that she was better suited to that task than the men were. Whatever background and assumptions might shape these sorts of instincts, we need to identify and expose them. Otherwise, we'll make unwarranted moves in restricting women's contributions in ministry. Mm. Wow. Now, yeah, I was thinking, okay, I agree. Yes, people should do that. People should identify their instinctive background assumptions Um and expose them. Otherwise, they'll make unwarranted moves. And then I thought, wait, maybe I should do that. And what I realized was if I was at that conference, if I was running that conference, I would be tempted to ask the woman to help me with the afternoon tea. And there are other things I do which show um, that I find it easier to ask women to do certain things than men. So if I've got a, a job around the hub our, our shared ministry space, and it's a re- related to making the space beautiful or tidy or clean, I'll often ask a woman. Hmm. But actually, maybe God has gifted some men in the, that area. Um, it's just my baseline assumptions. And biblically, there's no reason for me to think that cleaning, having a space look pretty or good or tidy or functionally work well is a more feminine task than men. Yeah. Though I do know I'm more comfortable with women when I'm discussing that sort of thing. Yeah. And and I just thought, ah, oh, even in myself, I have predispositions around uh, pre- assumptions and different things, beliefs around what ministries I will discuss with women and what ministries I'll discuss with men. And I want to be naming those and working out, is it biblical? And yeah. so, yes, it's just got me thinking. I haven't made much more progress than that, to be brutally honest. But yeah. um, it made me think how if we are so deeply equal in creation and salvation and, and really the, the, it does, the book emphasises the role of the elder in, mm. in the teaching moment, how do I express that and how do I identify my yeah. assumptions? Thoughts? Now, that is great to hear you share that, Jo, because hmm. I guess you're admitting or saying as a woman that you are not automatically have this ability to do complementarianism perfectly. Yes, that's it. Uh, yeah. That... Um, 
you have things to learn as much as the kind of slightly uh, as the lazy man or the um yeah yeah, the the unthought out man yeah that's Um, right yeah and I would have said I would have said oh I'm definitely about um women teaching and women leading and I'm all about that as as strong complementarians blah 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 I'd go on about how I know all about complementarism but I was humbled (laughs) to really have to think oh it really goes down deep into my baseline assumptions of how I interact with men and women around the church and how if on a Sunday I ask a woman to do something where I wouldn't ask a man, why? And just understanding yeah. that and really bringing the Bible to bear on that yeah. and not just letting it be a cultural or a comfort thing but instead thinking through, is this a blessing to the church this way I'm approaching this and is it yeah. biblical? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's great. So there you have mm. a, a passage in a book helping you uh, think and learn. And, mm. um, yeah, I, I haven't made a start on it yet but I'm looking forward to it. And mm. um, um yeah, what a great resource. Yeah, we can talk about it in the future. You can borrow my copy if you want. <laughs> I've already got one. No. Oh, you've already got one. Oh, yeah. oh of course, because you bought it at the bookstore at FIC or something, didn't you? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have to tell some more stories about buying books. Uh, but we are out of time, Joe. We are. So it has been uh, wonderful to uh, reflect on reading rooms, yes. walking on your roof. Yes. Uh, Proverbs 2 and directing our hearts mm. and... Uh, learning about complementarianism and putting that in practice yeah we'll be back next week i guess we will i'll be here (laughs) look forward to (laughs) it all right talk to you then bye bye